I think if you got on the monorail at the Contemporary Resort, well, there were two. There, 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 there were two ways. There was an express, and then there was a local uh, monorail, right? But one of them went around. Uh, it would, I believe, it would first go to the Ticket and Transportation Center, then to a Polynesian Village Resort, then to Magic, Magic Kingdom, and then back to Contemporary. But there may have been an express one going the other way. Or maybe it just skipped the other ones. I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, we, we when we stayed at Disney World, we went down there a lot when I was growing up. You know, in retrospect, maybe it would have been better to go to Europe or somewhere else. But we always just went to Disney World. And at the time, I was very happy about that because I love Disney World more than just about anything back then. And, uh, yeah, the contemporary, we used to stay in the Tower, which now I think is prohibitively expensive. Uh, I do think at one point we might have been priced out, though, as, as the 80s wore on, because I do think that uh, we wound up staying at this junky motel uh, called the Dutch Inn, which was on the outskirts of the Disney shopping village or something, Lake Buena Vista, the Dutch Inn. <clears throat> there, were like a, there was like this grouping of loser hotels, like the Howard Johnsons, the Dutch Inn. I forgot the other ones. That's if you couldn't afford to stay at a good hotel at Disney. But I do remember also one time. So I think the first couple times we went there, we always stayed in the tower of the contemporary. You know the contemporary hotel, the big gray building. The monorail goes through it. It has that huge concourse inside called the Grand Canyon Concourse. I was just utterly obsessed with that building growing up. Um, but I, th- I do remember once staying in one of the outer buildings because I think, I think it had gotten too expensive. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <coughs> it was only one time I went there by myself. There was one time in 97, I think. I went there by myself. No, 96. 96. I went there by myself because I, you know, I was going to go there with uh, Denise, who I was dating at the time. But then we broke up. And I had these tickets to Disney World. I figured I'll go. Anyway. Oh, I wish I was recording back then. That would have been so great. Me depressed wandering around Epcot Center. That would have been such great recordings. Anyway. I didn't think to record back then. What do you want? I didn't start doing this show till 2003. Anyway, uh, yeah, I stayed at uh, the All-Star Sports Resort, I thought. I think, yeah. That was like <coughs> cheaper on-property uh, premises. But there's no monorail there. You got to take a bus. You got to take a bus. Not even a boat. Some, some of the hotels had boats and monorails. This one, you just had to take a bus if you wanted to go to the Magic Kingdom or whatever. But I remember those early days. I, I mean, I went there in the early, earlier 70s, within the first few years of Disney World opening in the Orlando area of Florida. And um, I remember just burned in my mind that initial setup of what was there. All there, there, there was just the Magic Kingdom, of course, which was sort of a lot like Disneyland. And then there was the monorail loop around. Uh, there was Bay Lake and the Seven Seas Lagoon. I can't remember which one the monorail went around. But, yeah, it was the Contemporary Hotel. There was Fort Wilderness Campground, which I don't think I, we ever went over there. We weren't going to rough it. We were in a nice hotel room. <laughs> Did we ever go to the Fort Wilderness? I, I, I would have loved to have been there in that time period in the 70s. Um, because there's something about Disney World in the 70s that it will always have a very special place in my heart because I was there and it had a very specific tone, a very special tone, a very different tone. There was a ticket and transportation center, which is where you would park if you were driving in. 
and um, you can get the monorail from there. And then the Polynesian Village Resort, which, you know, I didn't really know about tiki bars and stuff at the time, but it was like one giant tiki bar style uh, place, you know. We definitely went there quite a bit. Um, and then the Magic, and then over to the Magic Kingdom, but there was this huge square plot of land jutting out into the, into the lake. These are artificial lakes, man-made lakes. Probably Bay Lake, I think, right? Seven Seas Lagoon. Oh, that's where that, that island that it was originally called Treasure Island, then it was Discovery Island, and then which we went there a lot too, and then they just shut it down. But this big square plot of land and it was uh I think in those hotel rooms they had these incredible maps of um of Disney World in sort of a cartoon map of Disney World and it showed their plans for the next few years, including three additional resort hotels square of land I believe was going to be the Asian resort if I'm not mistaken and then <coughs> over uh, on the other lake would have been uh, the, the Venetian resort which would have been like Venice which would have been very cool now that I finally went to the actual Venice Italy last year and the Persian resort right for, for, for the great country of Persia which unfortunately before they could build it, suffered the uh, Islamic Revolution in the country we now know as Iran. So they weren't going to make a hotel for for Iran, now are they? No, no. Why not though? Well, I guess it'd be hard to like get any any people from the actual country to help advise you about it because are they allowed to leave? I don't know. Is it one of those kind of dictatorships? You're not allowed to leave. I, I think I'm ignorant of history and a host of other things as well. As usual. On a side note, we'll get back to this in a moment. But I was, I was like, I think I was like right here on the porch, and I, I had this dream. I had to take a nap because I was, I felt so out of it earlier. It was like it wasn't like I was. It was so strange. I didn't feel tired. I just felt like out of whack, right? Almost like imagine if you were shifting timelines and you weren't like quite in sync with your current timeline I just felt like I can't even describe how I felt it just felt like I couldn't sync up with this reality so I wound up falling asleep and uh, I was out here on the porch and what was going on yeah there were these uh, (coughs) wildebeests like giant you know from the African plains you know like a huge wildebeest I saw a wildebeest walking across my porch from inside (laughs) <laughs> and I came out, I'm like, where the hell is it? And, and then uh, later I asked these people outside, there were all these people in my front yard. And then it, it was sort of like a combination of my front porch and my grandparents' front front porch from when I was growing up in, uh, there in New Brunswick, New Jersey. I'm like, did you see the wildebeest? Uh, like, yeah, you know, I saw this wildebeest, all these people hanging out in my front yard. One of these bizarre dreams, you know. Then, and then I went up to my room to get dressed, but, like, all my clothes were gone. All, there were all these weird clothes from some weird, like, event, like costumes or something that I had to put on. And I was dressed all weird. <laughs> it was a weird dream. Anyway. Anyway, what's going on? Disney World. Yeah, that map, which I obsessed on over the years and has become an incredibly rare um, collectible. In fact, I could have bought one once way back in the 90s for $500, but it was right after I got laid off from my job and I had no money. 
I eventually did get one that, and I, and I got it framed, um, a, a smaller reproduction of it. I never tire of looking at it. It's amazing because it also shows the um, Western River Expedition, which was the greatest ride they never built. You know, because the idea was they they had uh, recently opened the Pirates of the Caribbean out in the the uh, you know Anaheim, California, Disneyland. And it was sort of like, well, the Caribbean was really far away from Southern California. So, kind of thinking about that, they decided to make a Wild West-themed ride for Florida, because that was far away as well. And uh, a, a great amount of notes for this ride existed, but eventually, because Walt Disney died before this place opened. He died in 1966. This place opened in 1971, the Florida one, so the Florida complex. Anyway... So the management was not really too too bright. So they're like, people kept asking, you know, asking all the people that worked there, where's the pirates? Where's the pirates? So they eventually scrapped the Western River Expedition and they uh, just made Pirates of the Caribbean, which, listen, not the, that's a, that was an amazing ride. That was a key ride to the experience. And so I'm glad they built it. But at the same time, they should have also made the Western River Expedition. One of the uh, theories put forth is that, you know, the ride was completely... They created the, the little scale models of the ride, and it was all all set up. And there was even a, a, a an audio animatronic owl that they had on Main Street talking about the Western River Expedition. I play the audio of that on the other side from time to time. I'm the real Hoot Gibson, right? One of the theories is that now that they're in the 1970s, the ride as you might have imagined, contained uh, humorous uh, depictions of the American Indian that were probably uh, uh, being seen as more and more insensitive, even at that time. And I think at that point, the executives were like, should we redo the ride without Indians? And then it'll just seem weird, but we don't really want... They're probably like, yeah, just do pirates. They're easier. <laughs> anyway... Um, and then, of course, there was the golf resort. I never went to the golf resort. That was uh, very much for people into, into golf, and they had golf courses and stuff there. I really would like to uh, explore that 1970s Disney World more. Now, of course, you know, obviously, option one would be a, a, a full-blown time machine or TARDIS or something in real life. So you can just go there, you know, get yourself a... 1970s money and dress up, grow some big old sideburns and wear whatever they wear back then and uh, just go and stay there, you know. I think back then you could probably do it with cash, right? I don't think you'd need a credit card or would you need some kind of ID? Listen, no matter what, you're a time traveler. You have unlimited resources, right? Essentially, as a time traveler, you can use, you can read a story. Oh, and in, in, in 1906, they found hundred billion dollars worth of gold bars buried under the ground. Would go there a week before and dig it up yourself. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, you, you could have unlimited money, unlimited resources as a time traveler. So, whatever you need to do to set up a fake ID back in the seventies, I'm sure you could do it. That's, or maybe you just go and the stuff you have from, for me now, twenty twenty four. That feels weird to say because it is twenty twenty four now. Just morphs into a, a nineteen like like a nineteen seventy five identity, you know. So I could just I could just get a bunch of money from the twenty twenty four, and it'll just 
transform into 1975 money. My credit cards and my driver's license will just transform and they'll all be valid, you know what I mean? Because reality will just fold around you because it was valid in 2024. The idea that, like, like you could just, it could just uh, accommodate you like that, right? That might be a good form of time travel because you don't have to worry about all the other stuff. Or don't have to worry about, like, oh, do I have COVID? Should, am I, am I going to bring COVID to the past? The, the viruses in your body would morph into 1975 viruses, you know? <laughs> But, you know, I, I would have to, like, sort of learn how to play golf, and I'd stay at the golf resort one time, and, you know, stay at the, the Fort Wilderness another time, you know. It'd be great. <coughs> I, think they, I think they also had those treehouse villas. There was also stuff, even back then, going on at the shopping village. The treehouses and stuff. I never really understood the treehouse concept, but... I think there were timeshares at one point, some kind of weird timeshare setup or something. I don't know. But anyway... Uh, we're talking about the Polynesian village. The uh, so I know that we stopped by there. I, I and our every time we went there, we would we would take the monorail from the contemporary resort and and uh, stop it and then take it over to the the Polynesian. It didn't. It, it there was sort of an outside monorail station. It didn't go inside. It, there wasn't such a grand structure, though. There was a huge like main lobby that had a, a really beautiful. Um, kind of like trop, uh, Polynesian forest in the middle with waterfalls and stuff. I remember that. And we would just go there to look around. And I, and I think there was a trip in the 80s with my, where my grandmother was there and my cousins were there where we, uh, where we did go to the, um, <coughs> the luau. There was, there, there was the, there was the Poly- Polynesian or Hawaiian luau every night. And they would have the dancers with the, you know, like breathing fire and with these, you know, like the the sticks with the fire on either end, and they were dancing around. I think so. You know, and I think I think they probably had the uh, poo poo platter, which, of course, as a kid, you know, you just you can't you're beside yourself with humor in the seventies. <laughs> what is this poo poo platter? <laughs> poo poo platter. <laughs> I have not heard anyone mention a poo poo platter. It was like I think it was <laughs> in the. Uh, mid-century, a few years before that, that the uh, Hawaiian restaurants or Polynesian restaurants were on the rise. And one of the, one of the uh, more uh, delicacies was the poo-poo platter, which had nothing to do with feces, okay? It was just, it was just called poo-poo platter. <laughs> anyway, I kind of remember that. And, uh, of course, that classic clip of me in college a few years after that in 1985... With my, of course, my trusty Disney World guidebook by my bedside, because I could never be too far from reference material about Disney World when I when I was younger. I was drunk and reading, uh, reading from it, and I was like, "News from civilization." <laughs> that was a newsstand at the Polynesian Village. <laughs> news from civilization, and they were. Uh, my fellow students, right? They were recording me on, on my own uh, boombox. It was a really good boombox to record on because it had the two microphones pretty far apart. She had great stereo effect. You can hear that. Or can we hear that right now? I mean, I, I can probably pr- bring it up on my... What the hell? My phone is covered with ashes? Did I really spill ashes on my phone while we were recording? <laughs> what the hell, man? Yeah, I think we can find I think we can find it. I think we can find it. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually called News from Civilization, that, that little bit. Walt Disney World. I was all drunk. Jeez. Nighttime at Walt Disney World Village. I think it's Walt Disney World Village, not Walt Disney World Village. <laughs> November 20th, daytime. No, this is what, nighttime? Early morning. That a boy. That a boy, Ben. November 20th, early morning, 1985. It's more rocky? No more anything. No more anything. What? Come here. No. Something's sticking out from your head. No, it's not. Wait, what? Wait a minute. No, what is it? The white thing. Oh, God. There's no white things coming out of my hair. Right there. Where? Seriously? What was it? It's just piece of hair. It was a gray. You had a gray hair. I probably did. Probably all that stuff. Ben, when are you going to shave your face? Tomorrow night. Promise? Babysitting, see child care. Are you gonna you gonna shave your legs too, Ben? Child care. Yeah. Unique learning while playing developmental program. <laughs> you are recording me, you know. Yeah. I am gonna go to radio show next semester. Are you? New unique oh, or learning while playing developmental <laughs> program for children ages two and up. Is children? What's a children? At the kinder care children what the center. Children at the kinder care. What the hell is children? Children. It's one of those things, the green little... Wine... Cooler children. Wine cooler children? <laughs> film developing Mickey Mouse Express. To have film process, you may hey, pick up film... Hey, you're wearing women's pantyhose, Ben. Mellon develops... Oh, shit, not again. I'm not that. <laughs> At one of these following, Magic and Camera Center, Polynesian, is news from civilization. <laughs> civilization. Polynesian is Take news. It from and real realness is Take part it from of it. Zebra, Walt Disney World Village, Village Gibson. Right, we read something interesting to us. How about some X-Men? No, I have to write here. Dragon Magazine. Dragon Magazine. You are a slob, oh, man. Wow, yeah, that's uh, quite a tape. And I, I do think that <clears throat> in the Tape Land series, I, I played more of that same uh, tape, which would have been... Uh, Probably October, November uh, 1985. But there's a lot going on there besides me talking about Disney World. I'm going to get a radio show. What are you going to play, Laurie Anderson? No, he's going to play this tape. No, no shit, Sherlock. I'm playing the tape right now on my radio show. How many years later? 40, 40 years later? Please. <laughs> That's amazing. Talking about the Polynesian Resort. Wow, man! Yeah, the, I I remember that those the people that were there was like uh, at least uh, my my roommate John, who has vanished off the face of the earth somehow. I never was able to find this guy in, in modern times, and my the guy across the hall Carson, right? He's he was like some he he was the guy that was a complete nerd in high school, but decided to completely reinvent himself in uh, when he went to college, <laughs> so he became like a sea captain. <laughs> it was so bizarre. He had like a hammock. He wore like a like this this navy outfit and would smoke a pipe and he was really into prog rock too, which I, I he had good taste in music. But anyway, I don't know whatever happened to these people. They seemed so interesting back then, and then they sort of just fade fade into the woodwork. After the nineteen nineties, they just vanished from the internet. I mean, I I found him online. I never contacted him. And then there was this guy Tom Hadley. I think he, I think he was the guy saying, "When are you going to shave your face, Fen?" And they were calling me Fen. Because I, I, my name is Frank Edward Nora, and so I, I use my the initials F E N. Can you call me Fen? That only lasted, uh, uh, you know, it was just one of those things. Hey, Fen. 
Wow. Was that 40 years ago already? Not quite. Not quite. Wait a minute. It, it'll be 40 years in, in the year 2025. Oh, that's a Wait a minute. That's next year. Well, wait a second. Really? It's 40, 40, 39 years ago? Well, 38, 38-ish years ago. Jeez, man. That's, a long, that's wild. <clears throat> anyway, the reason I bring up the Polynesian Village uh, Resort Hotel system here is... Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can bring this article up. Uh, that's where the Beatles ended, actually. I don't know how I ran across this uh, this little factoid. I I I, I don't know. It was uh, yeah. The the Beatles officially broke up. Okay. There now some people are saying room sixteen oh one at the Polynesian Village, right? On uh, the 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 date is in one of these articles. Uh, do do That'd be cool to stay in that room that John Lennon stayed in. December 29th, 1974. And I, I mean, I think I really had gone there to Disney World around that time or before then. Let me see. Space Mountain. I, I was there before. So I, I, I remember seeing a sign, coming soon, Space Mountain. Uh, let me see. It probably says it on the uh, Wikipedia page. Uh, yes, it opened January 1975. In fact, strangely, it opened just just two weeks after the Beatles ended at the Polynesian Village Resort Hotel. Wow, so I was there. I was definitely there. It would have been the summer of probably 74 or 73. I was really young. I mean, I, I was born in 67. So I would have been six or seven. I, I, you know, I, I, so I do remember it. So obviously when you're six and seven, you can remember things. You can remember things... Before year two, you really can't form any permanent memories, the theory goes. But anyway, um, they're saying, uh, here's the article, leave it to John Lennon to make the Beatles break up by officially, officially by signing the termination papers while on holiday at Disney World. Lennon, the last of the four to actually sign off on the contract, was the first to shout out, I want a divorce, before he walked out of a meeting at Apple headquarters with the three other members present back in 1969. Uh, both Ringo Starr and George Harrison had already quit by 68. Prior to this incident, I don't know how accurate this art, this article is. This this doesn't feel, this feels a little bit off, but I don't know. Uh, they were convinced to return, whereas Lennon never did. Then there's Paul McCartney, the one who publicly announced the news to the press in 1970, declaring, I'm quitting the Beatles. After years of red tape and millions of dollars spent, the official dissolution papers were drawn up and ready to be signed off on at the Plaza Hotel in New York in 1974. George and Paul had arranged to fly in and be present while Ringo signed the necessary documents at an earlier time while still in England. So as George, Paul, Apple lawyers, and business managers grouped around a large table to dissolve the partnership, Ringo was on the phone to confirm that he was alive. Meanwhile, everyone in the room was curious about John's whereabouts. This seemed especially ironic given John lived within walking distance of the Plaza Hotel. Yeah, the Dakota was probably like, you know, I had to guess, like a 15-minute walk from there. You know, it's not... Well, if you cut through the park, it would be a little faster. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> uh, Harrison's lawyer telephoned Lennon for an explanation. The stars aren't right, Lennon relayed to his then-secretary-slash-lover, May Pang, who then responded to the lawyer's query. When John's response broke across the room, everyone present was furious. John chose to follow his astrological and didn't come to the arranged meeting. What? What kind of sentence is that? 
his astrological chart, maybe? His astrologic, what? This is probably written by AI, like all the other articles these days. You know, I'm getting annoyed with all, like if, I can understand if AI was good at writing, but every other article I read today sounds like it was written by someone who's, who's, who, who, who's, who's half awake and incoherent. That's what AI sounds like these days. I'm sure it eventually it'll sound good, but the AI writing is, is tiresome, draining on the mind. John and May had planned to spend Christmas in Florida, leaving New York for West Palm Beach. After the holiday, an Apple lawyer brought the mammoth contract for Lennon to sign at Disney World, where he was staying at the Polynesian Village Hotel. Thus, with the Magic Kingdom as his backdrop, he picked up his pen and officially finished off the Beatles right there and then. The date was December 29th, 1974. And uh, apparently I was reading that because May Pang's memoirs uh, gave enough clues to exactly locate the room as, as room 1601. Uh, and here's someone on Reddit who went there two years ago. Standing in front of Beatle history... Room 1601 at Disney's Polynesian Resort is where John Lennon stayed at in 1974 when he signed the papers to break up the Beatles. Nice. Oh, yeah. Also, a year earlier, Richard Nixon was traveling through Florida and stopped at the Contemporary Resort and said, I am not a crook. I think think I I do remember hearing that. His I am not a crook was was in a Contemporary Resort. Yeah, a lot of stuff happened at Disney World, really. Wow. That's wild. Let me see if I can find it on, on Google Maps. Let's go. That Can I find that actual room? I like to starting off here in New Jersey and then zooming out and just kind of like locating. Let's go down the coast here. Oh, South Carolina, North Carolina. That's where south of the border is. Can, can, we, can we find south of the border? Is that still there? I think it is. It's on 95, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There it is, south of the border. Yeah. I I have still seen uh, bumper stickers from that place, at least in the past few years. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a tourist trap kind of place. Anyway, let's go back. Let's go back to the map. Let's go to Disney World. Okay, go down to Florida. It's sort of in the Orlando area. It's not like in Orlando. Lake Buena Vista. Okay, so somewhere out to the... Uh, there's Epcot... The golf resort? No. It's, it's shades of green now, right? It's a military resort for veterans. Uh, oh, yeah. So the yeah, so the um, that square of land eventually became the Grand Floridian Resort, which I did stop by, I think, back in 97. I don't think I've been there since 97. It's just there's a world of other places to go besides Disney World that I'd p- probably rather go. Let's see. They're saying it was the uh, Samoan Longhouse. Yeah, I think this is where it is. Yeah, so it's one of these rooms at the Samoan Longhouse by the pool. Yeah. There you go. Okay. John Lennon. Yeah, man. Let's hear some John. I want to hear John Lennon reading his poetry. That's always good. Like, he is a great songwriter, obviously, but as, as far as poetry goes, I don't know. Well, you know me. I, 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 I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if any poetry is good, except for mine, of course. No, no, go on. Veterans Affairs Secretary. What the hell? 
Wait, 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 wait. How? I just said veterans because there's that. How did they find? Did, are they listening to me? Jeez, man, uh, the shades of green. Is trying to ram through. It. The hell is this? Här i TV aktuellt kan vi förmedla en närbild av dagens hedersgäst. Han heter John Lennon, är en ung brittisk landsortsförfattare från Liverpool och vår. Wait, is this John Lennon's poetry or is it a news report in another language? I don't know. Tillfällige medarbetare, den förträffliga Torsten Jungstedt lyckades få en intervju med honom och hans tre... What kind of video is, what is this? Mr. John Lennon, uh, we in Stockholm are always very glad to, to say welcome to a young author from Liverpool. In fact, you are the first author from Liverpool I've ever seen. Great. But uh, your first right. sold in 350,000 copies and came out this year. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And uh, tell me, you brought three of your friends. Could you please introduce yes, them? Yes, there's George Parasol, <coughs> Bringo Stone, and Paul McCharmley. And uh, did they have any anything to do with your book? Uh, did uh, they help you or did they hinder you in any way? No, they typed it out for me. That's right. I, mean, I never saw, I never heard this one. Wow. You, oh, they spelled it. 1964. That's nice. By the way, I read the review about... Beatles, 1964, John reads his poem. Why is he being such a jerk? In Times Literary Supplement, and then I read the book, and then I start. I wonder, are you influenced by Thurber or James Joyce? Uh, none of them. None James of them. Stewart. No. James Stewart. James Stewart and Betty Grable. You could tell he was into into James Joyce. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyhow, I'm quite sure that the, uh, the, our Swedish viewers would like Swedish. To read, okay. uh, one of your poems. Joyce. Good. <laughs> Good job, Nigel. <laughs> yeah. Half half he goes a merry sight, our little hairy friend. Half half upon hey. the lamppost bright. So like that. Half in round the bend. Just, uh. Whoa! George Harrison's ripping the book apart. Wow. <laughs> wow he's ripping the whole book apart. Jeez. Is this is this is this real Beatles footage or is this AI? I, I don't know. I don't know. This this is some sort of some sort of <clears throat> shenanigans. Here we go. I was bored on the 9th of October 1940 when I believe the Nazis were still booming us, led by Madolf Hitler, who only had one. Anyway, they didn't get me. I attended the Varicus schools in Liverpool and still didn't pass much to my auntie's supplies. As a member of the most publicified Beatles, my and PG and R's records might seem funnier to some of you than this book. But as far as I'm conceived, this correction of short Richie is the best laugh I've ever read. God help and breed you all. Yeah, his his poetry was kind of a drag, honestly. I mean, just to be honest, it you know, it was like as as good as his music was. Like the poetry just didn't match that level of uh, quality, you know. Anyway, here's where's my, oh here's my map of Disney. It's a good. Why do I have all this junk on top of it? You know, I really have to clean this place up. This place is getting is the chaos. It just I, you clean it up and then everything goes nuts again. Here it is. Okay. All right. Yeah, I have it. I have a framed uh, framed uh, print of this, which is enough. I I don't need to spend. God knows how much today. 
But this is a very cool print. Uh, this is the uh, Disney World. This is what was on the the walls of the Contemporary and the Polynesian back in, in the 70s. <clears throat> so you see um, there is uh, the Contemporary, the Magic Kingdom, and then on the upper left there in, in Frontierland, you can see the Western River Expedition. I don't know if there's any other stuff in the Magic Kingdom, but then you see the monorail, and there's the Asian resort right there, Polynesian Village, Fort Wilderness, but then, of course, you have the uh, <clears throat> Persian Resort uh, to the north of uh, Contemporary and, and, then, and then to the east of, of the Magic Kingdom. I, I don't think they ever put anything there. There's a Treasure Island slash Discovery Island. Then, of course, between the Ticket and Transportation Center and uh, the Contemporary is, is there the Venetian Resort that was never built either. And there's that kind of the road becomes like a tunnel that goes underneath the artificial uh, waterways. I remember that. I remember thinking that was so cool because you would be driving, you see a boat going uh, over, over the bridge and you go under it. That may still be there. It probably is still there. But, yeah, the Venetian looks like it would have been really cool, man. I guess you'd need uh, you know interdimensional travel to get to the, where they built all these other resorts. Or, of course... The other possibility, which is that, uh, I guess I'll put everything back where it was. Should I be stacking all this stuff on top of it? I don't know. There's my poster for the boy and the heron. It's all rolled up and crumpled, whatever. That movie was not great, honestly. Um, They were giving it away when you went to see the movie on the opening night. The other way of going back to Disney would be to... uh, you know, a very detailed computer simulation, which <coughs> uh, people have already started doing. There's this amazing project on, uh, hold on, on uh, <coughs> Facebook. It's called uh, Futureport82, I believe. And um, this has already, you know, this has gotten pretty far. Futureport82. Futureport82? I haven't downloaded it in a while. I don't know if they have a newer version but essentially this is uh, one guy who's who's been recreating Epcot Center as it was in when it opened in 1982 right and uh fully 3D in like one of those <coughs> 3D programs like a game program game authoring program and uh, <coughs> what is it not unity but the other one um you know the one I'm talking about anyway yeah, so he's been doing it. He's been recreating um, the entire theme park. Well, just the future world, not not the world showcase. Um, but doing it as a passion project, and you can actually walk around. It is sort of like time travel, but of course, you know, it um, if it was more fully rendered, more f- richly featured, I really do think that this kind of creation of Recreation of places in the past can be hypercharged using AI, right? And all sorts of historic sources so that you could, as this guy has spent years of his life creating this thing, an AI system could theoretically uh, create a super detailed, close to reality simulation of the entire Walt Disney World at any given time. So you could set the date and then go to Disney World and... Right, the the, the uh, interface would be whatever's available. You know, looking at it on a screen, the 3D goggles for the VR, or 
whatever future interfaces come about, which make it seem all the more real. And it, that would be a kind of time travel that would, uh, you know, not require actually traveling through time. You know, um, And then because AI is, is in theory so powerful, you could, for example, choose a year, say 1975, and have an AI build the entire 1975 Walt Disney World, a massive place, as long as you have some land to build it on, could build the entire thing in physical reality as if it was 1975. In fact, um, stocking it with uh, you know f- human humanoid uh, androids that would seem like human, all the people working there would be robots, essentially. Kind of appropriate for a place that has a lot of those kind of robots. But anyway... Uh, it would stock it would recreate all the food using like 3D food printers you would have exactly the right products and the new stands and stuff they'd have all the gum like they'd have chiclets there which we'll be talking about a little bit later like the real chiclets which have been discontinued in the US um right <clears throat> and it would be uh so you could physically go there they, it it could physically build an entire copy of Walt Disney World because um the designs could all be done by the AI, and then it could build robots to build everything, all the roads, all the boats, all the monorails, and everything. You see what I'm saying? So those are a few other ways of time, uh, methods of time travel beyond actually stepping through time. Yes. Anyway. Did this guy update this system at all? Like, <clears throat> Let me see. I don't know. It's an amazing product, project, though, so... Um. I don't know where, yeah, I don't know if, yeah. I know he's actually working on some of the interiors of the rides now. It's really, really amazing. Uh, he's creating the World of Motion ride. Yeah, this guy's Sean. Anyway, <clears throat> I have downloaded a couple versions of it. It's actually very cool. So I have here Mini Mini Chickles, which is a clearly, deliberately, a recreation of Chicklet's Tiny Size, a ubiquitous uh, chewing gum product that uh, apparently, along with the entire Chicklet's line of chewing gum, vanished in 2016, at least in the United States, because it's, it's owned by the this, uh, this company called Mondelez, which used to be called Nabisco. And they just chose to discontinue it. I, I, I don't know why, but I read they brought it back in uh, in Mexico in 2019. Uh, yeah, I mean, chiclets were ever-present. Uh, the main form of chiclets were, were chewing gum, right? The kind of chewing gum that's fairly familiar now, it's uh, chewing gum with kind of a candy, ex- hard candy exterior. Like a lot of those gums you'll get today. In those blister packs like a dentine ice or whatever, well, it'd be that same form. But I think Chicklets were the first ones to do it. Originally, Adams was the name of the com- company. Now, as th- the mysteries of capitalism, if you have a very successful product, at some point you will fail and have to be bought by another company. Why is it? I, I, I could swear I saw Chicklets at every convenience store. Every checkout lane of every supermarket, literally in every store I've ever been in that sells that kind of thing, you would see chiclets. Yet at some point, the company just fails. What is up with that? 
What kind of system is this? You'd think they would be the, the model of success, right? Of, of capitalistic success. Your, your product is for sale everywhere. Uh, obviously, there's other things going on, market forces, pumping of the economy, and yada, yada. And yeah, that's a whole other topic. You know. But the idea is they were eventually bought by Mondelez. Now, this is one of the worst renames of a company ever. I'm sorry to say Nabisco was – what a name. Nabisco, right? It's fun to say everyone knows Nabisco, right? It is the greatest name. They even had a great logo. And what do they do? They change the name to Mondelez. And they actually had to put that, that line over the last E because uh, – well, the only E. No, the second E because otherwise you think it was Mondelez or Mondelez. Mondelez. It sounds like sleaze, Mondelez. Um, so who are these people? They're like, we are now the head of heads of Nabisco. Let us change the name of the company. Wait, 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 wait. Nabisco is like a classic name. We get that, but we have to change the name. How about Mondelez? What the F? Are you, what? Yes, the corporate board agrees. It would be Mondelez. <laughs> but someone might say, think it's easy. It's like French, Mondelez. No, we'll put a, a line over the E. Who are these people? Now, first order of business of Mondelez, Inc. What about these chiclets? Uh, Chicklets are very successful. They're in every checkout lane of every supermarket, every convenience store, checkout counter. Everyone loves chiclets, especially the tiny size. Because little kids think they're getting, in- instead of just getting like 16 pieces of gum, they're getting like 800 pieces of gum in, in one shot. All right, let's, let, 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 let's discontinue that product line. But wait, it's so successful. Done. Forget it. Chiclets are yesterday's news. Goodbye. <laughs> what is he going on with these people? So this company, I actually found these when I went out to... Uh, Belvedere, New Jersey, in the convenience store. This is mini, mini chickles of the fruity, crunchy coated gum from Garrett, G-E-R-R-I-T. Not a company I've ever heard of before. And here's what it says, right? They're, they're, they're speci- made in Morocco. <laughs> what the hell? Mor- I don't think I've ever seen any other product made in Morocco. What the hell? Garrett J. Verberg Company. Morocco? What the hell? blast from the past may also now also in sugar-free peppermint uh remember shaking out one piece at a time or popping in five at once this tiny childhood favorite is sure to put a big smile on your face mini minis tm are candy coated fun that never gets old so obviously this freaking mondelez they pull this off the market Yet everyone still wants it. So, of course, another company is going to step up and, cre- and recreate it. How hard is it to recreate this stuff? Whatever patents may have existed for candy-coated gum have long ago expired. Anyway, I found this interesting thing. Like, chiclets were – mini ch- chiclets, tiny size, were so big. There was actually a um, a commercial with uh, – remember Tone Loke, Right? Listen to this, 1989. It's like 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 a rat-based commercial for Chiclet's Tiny Size. It was still very big. <laughs> you can bam a man. And and this at this point you have the fruit and red hot and bubblegum versions of this. So this was this was even expanding the product line. Thing a man. One, one, one at a time, my man. Any way you want it, man. 
As I recall, you'd start off doing one at a time, then you just pour the whole thing in your mouth. You'd be like, done. What were the specific names of the three? Uh, no, no, come on. I gotta get to the exact frame that shows. I can't read it. Red Hot? Bubblegum, fruity, and hot, hot tots, maybe? Anyway, I, I, I mean, it, again, this is a big mystery. But here's like, uh, yeah, Chicklet's tiny size from, from different time periods, right? It was just always there. Pink marshmallow flavor. Now, what? <laughs> and I like this one. It's a, uh, here's a listing on, on uh, eBay. Um, a little mini, a little tiny miniature, gum, uh, uh, you know, vending machine. Like at a supermarket, the little red machines. Uh, from Galoob. World's smallest gum machine. It's called By Golly By Gum Machine. Including one package of Chick- Chicklet's tiny size gum. Slide the lever and out comes a gun. Gum. No coins needed. <laughs> oh, here's the instructions on the back. Lift off top, remove paper liner. Yeah, there's a, there's a printed paper liner to show fake candy gum in there. Fill with chiclets gum. Replace top. Slide lever. Gum comes out. Out comes the gum. Refill chiclets gum packets. Refill chiclets gum packets are available at your local toy or candy store or supermarket. Yeah, not so much anymore unless you go with the uh, Moroccan brand. <laughs> Morocco, that's wild. Wow. Who knew they made chewing gum there? That's wild. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to see chiclets tiny size. <clears throat> yeah, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Like these companies, they, they, they don't come out with statements. They just, I guess they just stop shipping it. They take it out of their catalogs and then it's the kind of thing that like normally you're not really going to notice it. I, I didn't notice it for a long time as, you know, as an adult, I don't know that I would um, have eaten this very often, though I eventually noticed it was gone. Ooh, a, a chiclet's tiny sized t-shirt. Yeah. But where's the uh, the red hot? The, uh, was it called Hot Tots? Hot, hot Tots? Uh, yeah, look at this, yeah. Someone was selling a... Yeah. What? Wait a second, hold on, I'm, hold on. I'm trying to see if I can find this image. Tropical flavor, Hot Tots. Yeah, that's pretty... Cl- that's much clearer. Bubble gum, yeah. It was a lot of Chiclet's Tiny Size. On eBay, you know this Worth Point, the site that has old eBay auctions. Let's see what we can currently get on on eBay. I mean, if it was being produced in 2016, I mean, I, I think it'd still be edible. I mean, I don't. What it's just go bad. This stuff is like just made of chemicals, basically, right? I mean, <laughs> do, do, do. and the other the, the regular chiclets were also okay, but I don't know that I'm that as interested in those. But you have to understand with all this stuff, right? Oh yeah, look at this. Here's one pack of Chicklets Tiny Size, $70, $100. Yeah, they're selling them. 2003. 
Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that that would make sense, I guess. Nineteen ninety four, eighty dollars. Hmm. But the real vintage stuff is not as easy to find. Um, maybe I need to search for most expensive first. Do do well. well the two thousand three pack is uh, for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Truckin' USA, Chicklet's Tiny Size Tractor Trailers. Those are pretty cheap. <laughs> From 1997. Uh, that's good. You can have a uh, a little mini truck. Oh, here's one out of the packaging for only $7.50. Jeez, that's cheap. Chicklet's Tiny Size Truck. It's a good, good 90s toy, I suppose. Anyway, a Chicklet's Chewing Gum uh, Ski Cap. Ooh, 50 bucks. Yeah. Chicklets, a chicklets puzzle, giant size chicklets. Oh, those were the normal size ones. Okay, so they, yeah. What kind of puzzle is that though? It just looks like a pack of gum. How is it a puzzle? Is it what is it? A jigsaw puzzle? Some sort of sliding puzzle? Ooh, tiny ceramic, <laughs> tiny ceramic assorted mosaic tiles that look like these, but they're actually made of ceramic, so you can't eat them. Unless you're like an idiot, then you could eat them. <laughs> yeah, the, what is this chiclets puzzle? Oh, wow. That's so cool. It's like an actual chiclets package, but inside are little plastic pieces that you can try to put back together. That's really cool. Only $7. We'll skip that. I don't need that. But what, what was I trying to say? We're, you know, I, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm you know, talking about the stuff from the past and how cool it was and everything. You got to remember... You can't necessarily judge all this stuff, like going to Disney World, seeing movies, eating gum and stuff. Back then, right, the, the lives, our lives are much less dense, and being able to get the stuff was much less common. That is, um, especially before cable television, right, if you were thinking about, gee, I'd like to watch that James Bond movie, you literally could not watch it. If it came on TV once every year, you could watch it. Or with the advent of video stores, maybe it would be in your video store and then you could rent it and bring it home and watch it. But that was a few years later, right? The idea that as kids, you couldn't just have chiclets whenever you wanted to. You had to sort of beg your mother at the supermarket to get you chiclets. You know what I mean? It was like a lot of for a lot of this stuff, you were spending more time imagining it or thinking about it than actually experiencing it. So it made everything that much more meaningful, right? Everything, as I recall, was much more meaningful, really, when you finally got it because you, were, you didn't have all this instant gratification. I know, I know that's very much um, oversimplifying the whole matter, but there's something to it, I think. Anyway, let me try these. Straight from Morocco. Let's say, oh, smell very gum-like, and uh, yeah, they're they're tiny. There's got to be hundreds in here. They're about uh, I don't know, quarter of an inch, little re- little candy-coated rectangles. Should I just do one at a time to start? Just like you know. Oh, <laughs> it tastes exactly like you would imagine gum coming out of one of those machines. Let me get a few more. Hmm, Mojo. Chewing gum is not for cats. As far as I know, Mojo, they have never made chewing gum for cats. Okay? 
Do any animals eat, eat chewing gum? I would think they, like the great apes might be able to get the hang of it, but I don't know, like a dolphin? Maybe a dolphin or, or like an orca could have some chewing gum. Is it purely a human activity? Mm, it's actually pretty good. Nom, nom. I mean, more. You, you keep having to add to it. Mmm. Oh, delicious fruit chemicals. Mmm, nom, nom. Fruiticals. Fruit chemicals. Mmm. <laughs> kind of nasty, but... <laughs> Fruity. It, it, it's fruit-ish, you know. There's no fruit on earth that tastes like this, but... This is, like, in aggregate, it has that juicy fruit flavor, you know. Or the shortest uh, flavored gum ever, a fruit stripe gum. You start chewing it. It's delicious for literally, like, a second and a half. And then it turns into, like, disgusting cardboard in your mouth. All right, let, let me just get a bunch here. Um, <laughs> Great. Where the hell is a gum factory in Morocco? I mean, that is wild. What does it contain here? Sugar, gum base, glucose, gum Arabic, carnauba wax. Oh my god. Copper chlorophyllin, Jesus, and carmine. I can't eat this. All right, let me spit this out. It's not vegan. Excuse me. We had our fun. Carmine, are you serious? I, I should look at the ingredients. Done. The next uh, mouth this is going into is the garbage. Carmine is is made out of uh, the bodies of slaughtered insects. Ugh! Can't believe I I I, I ate that crap. <laughs> yeah, no. There's little red beetles that they they just take whole civilizations and crush them up to color the gum. Tell's going on over there in Morocco for Christ's sake. Ay ay ay, nasty. <laughs> anyway, for those of you that don't have such concerns about eating uh, dead insects, uh, you can eat z bugs and have the uh, the wonderful. Chewing gum. I'm sh- I'm sure the original was much more pure and didn't have any of that crap in it. Let's see. Wow, here's the actual ingredients of chiclets from 2003: sugar, gum base, corn syrup, modified food starch, artificial and natural flavoring, candela wax, BHT, red 40, yellow 6, yellow 5, and blue 1. Those are all the uh, purely chemical colors <laughs> distributed by. Uh, Adams, the division of Warner Lambert Company, Mars Plains, New Jersey. See, it was from New Jersey. No, but it was made in Columbia. <laughs> what, what, what the most obscure countries have chewing gum factories? What the hell's going on? Killing all these little insects. You know, I don't know what's going on. Look at this. Warner Lambert was part of Pfizer. Holy crap. Chicklets were made by Pfizer. I didn't realize that. It, it, things, it, things are getting very dark very quickly. Pfizer, really? Yikes! Anyway, let's 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 move on from this unf- unfortunate incident. Um, 
I got the final version of the book here. Yes. Onsug Radio, broadcasting from inside this book. I had a proof copy a week or two back, and this is the final copy. What a beautiful thing it is. What an artifact. Basically spent over a year working on this book and to get it to the state it's in now. Oh, I'm so happy with it. You can grab a copy, too. Just uh, It's available on Amazon. <clears throat> I think if you just type in Onsug Radio, Frank Edward Nora, you'll find it. There's also a link on this, the site, of course, but <clears throat> this book is everything I wanted it to be. Oh, wow, look at that. It does have different... Uh, it has different uh, barcodes and stuff on it than the proof copy. So, yeah, I talked all about this on last, last episode, the details of it, but it's just really beautiful, this this yellow-orange color. And it just really pops, you know, the Ansug logo and uh, everything. I love the spine, the back cover. And just flipping through it, it just it just looks nice. It looks great. The typography is so much better than the previous book. And my uh, my idea of putting four images across the bottom of each page really works. It was, uh, I mean, a huge amount of work to place all of these, of course. At around 500 pages, four per page, that's about 2,000 images I had to place in there. Um, that took a while, but yeah, it d- and it definitely just sort of adds to... Um, Every page looking interesting. I have those the listening tokens concept, um, the four images across the bottom. So every page is kind of visually interesting, and it kind of has a rhythm, a graphic rhythm with that Libre Franklin font. And, um, yeah, I'm so happy with it. Please, please grab a copy. Multiple copies. Put it on everyone's bookshelf that you know. Just put a copy there. It looks really nice. Look, look, look at the spine. It'll just look great on everyone's bookshelf. And it really will stand out. It'll be like, what the hell kind of book is this? Someone will look at it. My God, I can listen to all these shows for free? <laughs> What's going on? Look at this, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I thought it was interesting because um, I kind of, last episode, which was uh, pretty much about the book and then also about going to see fish and being there New Year's Eve to see the Game Hen show, of course. I'm still reeling from that experience. It, 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 my God, it was so amazing. Um, yeah, it was on Sunday night. Today's just Thursday now. Um, but Game Hen is all about a book, too, the Helping Friendly book. So it's weird. Both things are about this very special book. I thought that was kind of interesting. No, I, I kind of liked it. Anyways, on a different topic, I got sucked into watching a new Netflix show because I read these articles. People are watching this show, Fool Me Once, and they're staying up all night. It came out the first day of the year, January 1st, 2024. They're like, I couldn't stop watching it. It's so addictive. So I'm like, eh, maybe I'll watch it. And uh, yeah, I watched the whole thing last night. I don't know how it's eight episodes, but each episode is like 30 something minutes long. So I don't know. It's, It's like four hours long or something. Anyway, um, it's a uh, – what's the premise? This woman who from England who y- used to be in the military and was a helicopter pilot and had some sort of controversy killing civilians. Her husband died, was shot, and then 
she gets a nanny cam, and then she sees him on the nanny cam alive. What's going on? And Joanna Lumley's in it <laughs> as the evil stepmother, <laughs> whatever, the evil mother-in-law. And uh, I watched it. It was, it was watchable, but it, it was just it just kept getting worse and worse and made less and less sense. And by the end, I'm like, why did I just waste four hours or five hours of my life watching this garbage? <coughs> it was not good. It was not good. It wasn't worth watching. If I, 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 you know, I, I, as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. But you know, don't watch that. It's not worth. I mean, if you want to watch something mindless, you don't have to think about. I guess it's just like any of your other show on there. But I got sucked in. I, I wasted my time. What else was I going to do though? Watch, uh, play video games. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it happens. Listen, I, it could have been good. Like I thought that. Remember that show about the time travel that was good. Remember that one? It was kind of, it was kind of a similar vibe, similar production techniques. and um, I don't even remember what it was called. It was about these people that went back in time. Oh, the, uh, detectives in three different time periods find a dead body in the same alley in London. Yeah. If it was that good, I should have remembered the name of it. Uh, no idea. How soon we forget. Yikes. Um, <coughs> yeah. Let's see. Oh, here's an interesting one. You know, talking about dreams. Here's the Brady Bunch dream update. Um, yeah, a recent episode I talked about having a dream about I was working for the Brady Bunch. But it was in the real world. It was like years later they had sort of – they're creating some sort of TV show, the, the, the six Brady kids that are still alive. And uh, I was working for them as like a production technician or something. Um, I got this message from Mike Booty, the Midnight Citizen. He said, "I, th- this is Mike speaking. I think we were working for the same Brady Bunch project in our dreams. Had a dream the same night as yours where I was an intern for the show. Only it was in the present day, and the show had been going on since the 70s with an ever-changing cast a la SNL. So that is wild. So mine also took place in the present day. It absolutely was in present day. It was not in the past. Really interesting that Mike's dream, the show just kept going with a, with a rotating cast. In my dream, it was kind of a more related to that show that really existed. It was where... In one of the home network shows, HGTV or something, they found the house they used as the exterior shot in the TV show, and they bought it, and then they gutted the interior and rebuilt the interior to be exactly like the sets on the show. And this was a show. I mean, it was an actual TV show from a couple years ago. It was something like that, and it may have been more like, because of that show, the Brady kid actors decided to revive the show but in present day as themselves i wonder if they would have brought martha quinn back but probably not fake jan i don't know but anyway i was a lowly kind of a like mike was an intern i was kind of a a low-level person that worked on the show we both had a, a dream about working for the brady bunch tv show in present day at the same night what are the chances of that listen there's something weird going on in reality ever noticed that i do Every moment of every day. Okay? That's what I'm trying to say. That was wild. 
Um, let's see. Um, yeah. Oh, I don't think I mentioned this. This this was wild. As I may have mentioned it on last episode, I don't know because towards the end I was getting, I was drinking a lot of that uh, that expensive scotch. I don't know. I was a little out of it. But uh, anyway, let's go back to Sunday night. I went to see the fish show. Amazing, of course. You can hear all about that in the last episode. And um, then it was past midnight, so technically it was January 1st, 2024. And I had a real uh, quick wait, quick time going home. So, I mean, I ran, ran downstairs from Madison Square Garden to the train station. And this all is always kind of dreamlike. You know, you're, you see this incredible show, and then you, you just go down some stairs, and you're in the train station. And I got a train that was about to leave. I was jammed in the vestibule. Ten-minute ride. Then you're there. The doors open. It was such a relief to get out of there, being cramped in with all those people. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, you have to pay as you exit because there's no way they're going to be able to collect all the tickets on the way there. Yeah, then you go down these uh, stairs, and then you go outside and walk about a you know, two- or three-minute walk over to the parking lot. So as I just got down the stairs and was walking towards the parking lot, I saw this cop, a policeman, leading a, uh, a, 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 a line of people looking like they were wearing something like something like medical scrubs or pajamas, and they were holding like blankets and towels and, 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 and pillows and things. And I'm like, wait, what, 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 what is this? Like, at first I thought, could this be like one of those chain gangs that they, you know, like they take prisoners and they bring them to the highways to pick up trash on the side of the highway. You've seen that? It got I got kind of prisoner vibes from them, but it was like mostly like like young young women and men. I'm like, what the hell was that? They were marching them towards the train station into the train station. Uh, there were probably about um, twenty or thirty people in this line being led by this cop, and I knew nothing about this news that I saw the next day. Uh, it, it, it was big news, national news. I saw migrants that were, had been sent most likely from Texas. New York City, just recently, Mayor Eric Adams um, started to uh, restrict the arrival of buses because this, this, this gets into this whole political issue of the, the southern border of the United States and all these refugees and migrants because there's apparently utter chaos going on to the south of us in these countries. And uh, Texas does not want these people. They never said that they, they, they would like to have legal, you know, I think what everyone's saying, there is legal immigration. Uh, and I think people, most people accept that. But then there's illegal immigration, which is by definition, it's illegal, right? So all these people are streaming in. And I guess because the executive branch of government could not possibly enforce all the laws that are written. They have the leeway to pick and choose the way they enforce things because they have, they could enforce who knows one quarter of 1% of all of the laws out there. I know I'm oversimplifying it, but it gives the ex because laws are passed without the necessary funding for law enforcement, the executive branch then gets to decide how to approach enforcing laws. So the narrative as it may be understood is that the Biden administration has been 
more lenient in terms of letting people in on the southern border to the United States. So a lot of cities declared themselves to be sanctuary cities, such as New York City. They, like, it was a legal proceeding. They declared themselves in a council meeting or whatever the equivalent of a congress or whatever, declared themselves a sanctuary city where illegal immigrants will always be welcome and they will not cooperate with federal law enforcement in any way. And they're sanctuary cities. Chicago and San Francisco and I don't know what other ones. So now, since they declared themselves to be sanctuary cities, what they're doing in Texas, for example, is the migrants are put on buses and they're sent to New York City because New York City said they are a sanctuary city. Meanwhile, there is nowhere near the resources to take care of all of these, these, these migrants and New York City has been facing these problems. So apparently Eric Adams, the mayor, recently said that buses can still come, but they have to come weekdays between 9 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. They need to give the city 36 hours notice, and you know, the bus companies, if they keep dropping people off, the drivers, could be, the drivers, I think, could be arrested, and the owners of the bus companies could be sent to jail, the buses could be impounded, like big, big... Um, big penalties, right? So what what these uh the buses now realizing they can't go to New York City are just dropping the migrants off at Secaucus Junction, which is a 10-minute train ride to New York City, to Manhattan, and buying them tickets to take the train there so they're getting around Eric Adams uh bus uh thing and in New Jersey, which apparently has not declared itself a, uh, a sanctuary state or city. For example, Edison, New Jersey, said that they will not accept any migrants and that they'll send them all to New York City on the train, I guess from Metro Park or from Edison train station or whatever. That's what I witnessed. I witnessed this. The first day of the year, I witnessed the... Uh, what the heck is this? I'm getting a delivery. Uh, I witnessed migrants being sent to New York City, uh, 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 you know, and, and, and actually seeing it in person. I mean, I've been hearing these news stories tangentially, but to see the actual people that are like, can you imagine from their perspective? Like they, I mean, I don't know how, what or where, where they're, they're coming from. They're probably very happy to be going to New York City, Right. Man, it's such a strange situation, and seeing it with my own eyes was very strange, but I don't know. I, I, I don't want to forget the human element to all this stuff. It's really, really strange, but yeah, I did see that. I saw that the other night with my own eyes. I was not prepared for it. I, I was like, prisoners? or No, well, kind of. I mean, they're really kind of like prisoners in a way. I don't know. No. They're people that are being voluntarily, yeah, like without the official's help, they would be kind of lost without any any possessions in a strange country. Right? So they need to be helped. <sighs> yes, very difficult. Also, just a few corrections I, that I messed up last time. Uh, in the Fish Gamehenge saga, it was a rhombus, not a trapezoid. And I mixed up Tom and Dick's mothers. That was my problem. Uh, I, I was, I, yeah, 
I, I had them reversed. It wasn't the people online that had them reversed. Thank you. Thank you. So, as I mentioned earlier today, like from when I woke up to when I had that nap, I was like, I was like in a weird state of mind. Like I really, it's hard to describe. It wasn't, I wasn't, didn't feel tired. I didn't feel sick. I just sort of felt like I couldn't sync up with reality. You see, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it was a very strange feeling, but it got to the point where it, it was kind of it was so kind of an unpleasant sensation that I just I just had to lay down, even though I wasn't tired at all. And I did eventually fall asleep and had that weird dream about wildebeests on my porch. But um, in the process of that, like early in the morning, I uh, I had today's episode art, but without a title. And I, in whatever logic I had in that weird state of mind, I. I came up with the name of today's episode, as you can see, Vast Past Patch Arrivals, that after I woke up from the nap, I'm like, what the hell kind of title is that? Uh, what? What did I come up with? But uh, I like it, though. It's, I'll, I'll keep it. I was, I was in an alternate state of mind. Wow. But it does relate to, I mean, this is a, a symbolic image that I found. So... This artwork is, uh, is, so it's Vast Past Patch Arrivals, all right? And the image is a painting of these, I don't know if they're like people or elves or something, and they're carrying this giant, like, carpet through this portal. Look, it looks like it's coming from some sort of fantasy world with a castle and stuff, and they're bringing this giant carpet in. So I actually thought it was really kind of symbolic of, Right, our project here on Sug Radio of bringing vast swaths of audio into the future from the past, right? So, the vast past and the sets of audio are we've traditionally called patches. So, this is depicting the arrival of a vast patch from the past. <laughs> vast past patch arrivals. <laughs> it makes some kind of sense, but I do love the way this looks um i i kept that thick black border i had in last episode i don't know i kind of because <coughs> this has a white background so i kind of i kind of like that thick black background i don't know if it's gonna usually i don't stick with any graphic thing on the show art it just sort of evolves over time but i really do like that um and the illustration i found because of the uh public domain January 1st, for, this, uh, for many years now, I think it's going to stop at some point, and then they're, the way the copyright laws are, like every year now we're going to get another year of public domain. So this year was 2020, sorry, it was 1928. All of the year 1928 in the U.S. goes into the public domain, and all of 1924 in music goes into the public domain. And that pattern I think is going to keep going for a number, uh, I think for a certain amount of time, and then things change. And they, I think U.S. is changing to copyright being 70 years after the death of the author, just like a lot of other countries. But anyway, we probably won't have to worry about that considering the human lifespan and yada yada and whatever. Anyway, this is from Needlecraft Magazine from September 1928, and it is an ad for Mohawk Rugs and Carpets. And this painting is... Painted for the Mohawk Carpet Mills by Byron G. Newton. 
I think I looked him up. Byron G. Newton. It was nice they gave him credit for, for painting it. Usually the illustrators of ads don't get credit. Yeah, Byron Glee Newton. Right? Born 1893, died 1973. Commercial artist, illustrator, inventor, and art instructor. Primarily known for his watercolor and gouache paintings, illustrations, ads, as well as art prints and serographs. Uh, born in Chicago, moved to Fulton, New York, yada, yada, yada. Okay, anyway. Just want to give, just want to, uh, uh, you know, mention who, who painted it. But it's now in the public domain, so there's no more restrictions on anything from 1928 or earlier, other than trademarks, of course, which the whole Mickey Mouse thing, yeah. Um, where, where's the thing? <laughs> Hold on. There it is. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I love the image, especially the symbolic aspect of it, of bringing these huge swaths of audio into the future, sort of symbolized by this image. Uh, the other aspects here, um, <clears throat> the font I used is a font, I think it's called Stack, and I actually used that. That font used to be available on Letraset. It's sort of like the letters, it looks like the elements are stacked up. And in fact, one of my real early mini comics I used to produce was called Frank's Comics, F-R-A-N-X, C-O-M-I-X. I used this, this same font or something very similar. <clears throat> this, was as a, this version was made by... Um, this guy, Peter Weigel or Weigel. Do I have the? Yeah, yeah. W i e g e l. What's that? Weigel or Weigel? I don't know. I'll say Peter Weigel because I pronounce W as woo because I'm in America at this point. Uh, this is uh, Peter hyphen Weigel dot d e. So he's in Germany. W i e Peter hyphen W I E G E L dot D E. It's all these free fonts. Um, and he said, This was another request from the typography.info forum for a slightly older font. They were available as lead letters and later as rubbing sheets. However, the stack was not digitized, so I modeled it a little bit, then expanded it a lot. So this is his own take on it. Um, there's a lot of great fonts on there. Um, in fact, on the upper left, I have this number, 250-458-500-127-0768. And I did describe what that number was all about in the past. And, you know, you can uh, try to figure it out or refer to the old one if you want to know what it means. All right, I'll tell you. It's just, if you go base 10 to base 36, it spells out Onsug Radio. That's it. And then, of course, the Onsug Radio logo in the upper right. And... Uh, yeah, but the the letter the number there is is done with a, a typeface that he created that I thought this was really interesting. It's a it's a cool font. Um, translating the German once again, it's called Peter Obscure, right? And here's what it says. This is again translated from the German of this fellow Peter Weigel. Yes, I admit it. This is really a very hideous font, and I don't know if anyone can use it at all. I must have had a bad day picking up those miserable letters. I don't think I've been drawing it for very long, but that was a few years ago. Anyway, I wasn't very happy with this font and then forgot it on the hard drive. At some point, I made a backup copy of my data on the hard drive on a CD, and then it went into an aluminum case. The font must have accidentally found its way onto this CD. 
Now, a few days ago, I set about freeing myself from old baggage. So I grabbed my CD case and looked through it to see what I wanted to keep and what was finally going into the trash. There wasn't much that I actually kept. And that's how I came across this font and said to myself, well, you finally finished it. You don't like this font, but maybe someone can use this rubbish. So why shouldn't I put them on the website? That doesn't take up much, so much space, and I can still delete the thing. And here it is, this totally obscure font. If anyone has a completely different opinion, please let me know. I really don't have to like everything I've done. Oh, well, if someone now says, how can this Weigel make such a bad name for his writing and also call it amateurish, then I can only say, after all, I have a right to do that because ultimately that's exactly what I am, a dilettante. Yes, I stand by that. I get the gist of it. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, again, this is a translated, uh, if I read it in German, it's Ja, ich gebe es ja zu. I can't read German. I can't pronounce it. But anyway, Peter Obscure. I like it. It's a good font. I liked it, Peter. But yes, let, let's take a look at the, um, what it says here on the ad. Bearing priceless beauty to you. Again, this is from Mohawk Rugs and Carpets. Mo Mohawk Carpet Mills, Amsterdam, New York. There's a little illustration here showing some carpet samples. Easy as turning the leaves of a book is the selection of your rug from the Mohawk Rug Merchandiser. It brings you many of the advantages of big city shopping. Wherever you live, in a town however small, this woven loveliness can now be yours without effort through the Mohawk Rug Merchandiser. Time was when you had to go to the larger cities to obtain fabrics so fine as these and in such assortment. But the Mohawk Merchandiser has now brought the hundreds of towns to hundreds of towns their own complete rug department. Perhaps your local store has installed the Mohawk Merchandiser. If so, you will see and be able to feel in the fabric 22 patterns in small rugs, each carefully picked from the nation's bestsellers, and in addition, original color cards of 35 more designs. Every weave is represented to suit your taste and pocketbook. From this appealing display, when you are ready to buy, you can select the very rug of your dreams. And in ordering, you are assured that in beauty and style, in weave and wear and comfort, you have bought the best, for you have bought a mohawk. If your local merchant hasn't a mohawk merchandiser, you will serve yourself and him by sending us his name and his address. Yeah, so it's like a it's like a sample rack, you know. You kind of you, you it is like it kind of looks like a book, you know. You sort of leaf through it to see this the rug samples. Apparently, it's a big deal. Mohawk rugs is this is this is this a still like Mohawk rugs is still in business? Uh, they probably had to change their name because it's based on you know Indians. No, no, it's still look Mohawk dot com Mohawkhome dot com. It's still here. Wow. Rug buying guide. See, they still sell rugs. I don't know if you can buy them online, though. You have to still go to a store, I guess. 
Selecting an area rug. Hmm. <clears throat> Find a retailer. Wow, Amazon.com, Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, didn't that place go out of business? Yeah. JCPenney, I think they're still in business. Sears, yeah. Why are they selling this at all these out-of-business out of, out of, out of companies? All right, let's go, all right, let's go to, uh, let's see, Mohawk. I, I'm going to, like, this is now 100 years, well, 96 years later. Yeah, 96 years later, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Wow, you can get area rugs for, like, like $70? I don't know. Yeah. Mohawk. Pershore Gray Whimsy Area Rug. Hmm. Yeah, you can still get them. But the weird elves probably don't deliver them to you anymore. <laughs> we have some area rugs here. I'm, I'm sitting on an area, right? We're on an area rug right here. It is, uh... No, it's, it's, not, Bar it's not Mohawk, though. It's, uh... Unique Loom Barcelona Collection. Okay. <laughs> Just coincidentally, the corner I'm sitting by, I lifted up and it had the actual identifier on there. Area rugs. Good stuff. Anyway. So I still use Facebook. And I feel like I've, ru I've ruined it by... Um, the groups that I've joined and things I've hit like on because like my feed is just getting worse and worse and more and more incoherent. I know you can kind of, and I do unsubscribe from groups and do different things and I don't know, but it's just getting worse and worse. Anyway, um, Wait, sorry, <laughs> I'm scrolling and I'm, I'm I'm forgetting that I'm still recording. Anyway, the uh, some group came up. It's like, what's your favorite synthesizer line? And someone's like, Lazy Jones. I'm like, what the hell is that? Lazy Jones. I know there's a song called Lazy Bones, but Lazy Jones. So I looked this up, and it's a game for the Commodore 64 that I have never heard of. And now listen, I did not have a Commodore 64 back in the day. But usually I would have heard of these things. So this feels like one of those peps, the past editing paranoia or the um, Mandela effect kind of stuff where this thing may have not existed in my reality, you know. But – and it's, it's it looks like a cool game. It's like your character walking around this building and you go in these doors and play these little games. I may have to try the game on an emulator, but – the soundtrack is very... People seem to love this soundtrack. And here's what it sounds like. Right? People are like, this tune is and always has been strangely addictive to me. This could be an astonishing metal riff. I don't know why I keep coming back to this soundtrack. that sort of sawtooth wave. This is an oscilloscope view. Was this more like big in Britain maybe than the U.S.? It's kind of, kind of 
I like this song. This is strangely catchy. I forgot how weird the world of pre-Hubbard Sid tunes were. I think Sid is the authoring system, maybe, and then I don't know what Hubbard refers to. It is kind of addictive, right? Other people were joking on the other the other video of the same thing, like this contains all music ever created in the universe. Lazy Jones. Now now I know. Now you know. Did anyone ever hear of this Lazy Jones before? see the actual game. Here's the actual gameplay. Oh, we have to watch an ad first. Shut up with these ads. Shut up. Lazy Jones by David Whitaker. Copyright Terminal Software International Limited. Ah, so maybe it was British. MCMLXXXIV. MCM that's M. So MM would be 2000. MCM is 1900. L is 50. XXX, that means 80. 1984. Okay, we got it. All right, let's see. Welcome to the world of Lazy Jones. Oh, wait, wait. We're, it's going by too fast. Okay. Controls. All right. So there's the exact, there's the actual game. So it, it's in like a, a building with plants and doors. And there's Lazy Jones himself with a big nose. And he goes into a room. Okay. And I think you have to play a video game in each room, from what I saw. Get ready. Oh, this is like a Space Invaders or Galaxian kind of thing. So it's like mini games in each room? That's kind of cool. The other game was sort of like you were riding balloons around. I like this idea of Lazy Jones. I have This does not ring a bell in the least. So... What are the explanations for this uh, phenomenon? I, I, it, it's getting a little annoying <laughs> sound. Anyway, so the phenomenon, what is going on here? Oh, this is called Outland, this, this, this sub-game. Anyway, so Occam's Razor, I just, listen, as much as I think I may have a good overview of every aspect of games, video games, every, there, I, I, I've probably only am familiar with a fraction of what's out there, and this is just one of the ones I never heard of. Occam's Razor, the simplest explanation. The other, another one would be that, uh, you know, the reality is constantly being edited. So we always think the past is static, static, immutable, right? But what if the past is just as mutable as the future? In which case, <coughs> there's this dynamic, things are in the past are always changing, just like potential futures are always changing. And constant new delights are introduced into the present through that process. Completely not what we would expect, but perhaps that's something that's going on. Another possibility is, um, obviously, another one is that we're living in a computer simulation, and these are just updates where the past is updated um, in terms of what happened in the computer simulation. So it's nothing mysterious, just a big computer game. Um, another thing could be that, uh, right, 
different time. Uh, uh, there's constantly branching timelines, but not an infinite amount. Handfuls of timelines are maybe branched off occasionally. When there get to be too many timelines, they have to be um, recombined, right? And in order so there's not too many timelines. So the idea is as two timelines are merged, the past is sort of uh, averaged out. Um, so you take two similar realities that have a slightly different past, smoosh them together, and then um, some things will le- cease to be, some things will be added, right? So there'll be a new um, synthesis of a past. So something like Lazy Jones existed in another reality, and it was recently smushed into my reality. There's a lot of different explanations for this, though probably the first one is most likely. I admit that. But it's not the, the idea of different realities, man. It's kind of fun, no? Got Lazy Jones. I wonder if you can play it on the Internet Archive. I want to play this game, damn it. Jose Jones. Totally alone, his story. He got friends like Paco, Pico, Piedra, La Muñeca. He receives in his head, crack, crack, crackety Jones. Crack, crack, crackety Jones. Please forgive me, Jose Jones. You need these walls for your own. I'm moving out of this hospital. Hey, I'm afraid you'll cut me, boy. Remember that song, Crackety Jones? By the Pixies. Lazy Jones, Crackety Jones. You know this song, right? Jose Jones. We travel in a van. No! It's, I, I want to hear the song, not some stupid ad about... Oh, I use Chewy. I already use Chewy. You don't need to advertise. Jesus. Jose Jones. Totally alone, his story. Got friends like Paco, Pico, Piedra... Fred Flintstone in Spanish. Cackety Jones. Please forgive me, Jose Jones. I'm afraid you'll cut me, boy. Pixies were so good. I, I saw them live so many times back then, especially – I've told this story about um, in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, late eight, later 80s, uh, a little tiny club, and I was right in the front row. In fact, my – I was being crushed up against the stage. That's how close I was. And um, I looked up on stage, and Kim Deal was right there playing her bass, and I made eye contact with her. One of great, my great uh, concert moments making eye contact with the, with the stars. That was a great time. Of course, what happened to the Pixies was kind of sad. You know, they did uh, Trump Lamond, broke up, did their solo things, and then they got back together and uh, made some new albums. And It's not the same. It's not the same, okay? It's not the same. They keep doing stuff, though. What else are they going to do? Well, Kim Deal dropped out of the Pixies completely. Well, she had the Breeders that had a big hit with the, the Cannonball, you know, spitting in a wishing well, blown to hell, all that jazz. You know what I'm talking about. 
All right, let's see about this game here. Jose Jones. <clears throat> can, we, can we play it here? No, I want to play it. I don't want to watch a video. Yeah, here it is. Okay. <clears throat> All right. These things sometimes work, sometimes don't, like the controls or whatever. <clears throat> All right, now we're in emulation mode. <clears throat> Left, right, up, down, fire. I'm gonna play it. Uh, it's, not, it's not working. It's not working. It's like in some sort of a track mode or something. It's not working. Ah, oh, come on! I can't get the controls right. Freaking alternate reality video game. Get out of here. Yeah. Kitties are lounging by the fire. The sun is setting. It's 2024. Another year. So what are my goals for 2024? Let's see. Just, uh, you know, this project, just keep it going, keep it, keep uh, advancing the project. Uh, of course, I have the uh, digital extension of the book, which currently exists. I'd love to reformat it to be a lot nicer looking than the hodgepodge it is now, though it's functional. The digital extension uh, contains all of the um, show descriptions. That's why it's three-something thousand pages long. Um, I really, really need to get back to the Tapeland project. There's some more videos and lots more audio to release in the Tapeland project. So I would like to uh, get back to that. And, uh, you know, really working on ways of distributing the files locally to people. So it's what has sort of developed is uh, the files of the project are kind of... Um, Um, I have the, a, a set of files that I prepared for the book. So they're organized exactly like the book is organized. All the show art is in there. All the videos from the Tapeland Project, everything. It's just, it's a, it's up, upper 900 something uh, mega, uh, ter 900 plus gigabytes, but it fits comfortably on a terabyte drive. Just those drives have still remained very expensive. You know, and it's, I really want to distribute the files with the book. And I don't know if that's something I'm going to be able to um, achieve in 2024, but I want to keep looking at it, you know, um, ways of doing it. That's more of a long-term goal. But, of course, keeping the project going, continuing doing this show, The Overnightscape, The Exit Ramp, of course, Overnightscape Central is returning soon. I have to record my entry. Um... And, uh, yeah, just keep the project going in 2024. That's what I'm trying to say. Pretty simple. Just keep doing what we've, what we've been doing. <coughs> Anyways, with that, I want to say thank you so much for patching into this episode of The Overnightscape. Of course, we're here 
in OnSug Radio, broadcasting from inside the book. OnSug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com is the site you want to go to right now for all your information. Buy the book. Cheap, cheap price, twelve fifty nine in the U.S. Uh, lowest price possible. I don't make any money on it because we are a non-commercial project. I know that's almost an alien concept these days, but um, if you love doing something so much and money would only get in the way, why, why involve money? <laughs> well, I wanted to at first, but it just worked out this way. You see what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, we have this massive archive of audio. Grab a copy of the book, which lists every single show up till the end of October 2023. <coughs> of course, there's been now two more months of stuff, November, December, but it just keeps going. Like when I do a book, I have to cut it off somewhere because every month there's new shows. Yeah, at OnSug.com, hear all the latest shows. And as I mentioned, Overnightscape Central's coming back. You still have time. As long as you're listening to this within a few days of when I released it, it is now... 4th of January, 2024. Deadline is the 10th. Dave in Kentucky is doing the show now on a monthly basis. Each episode will have uh, you know multiple topics, so you can choose one or two or all of the topics. In this case, the launch, the, the premiere episode of the re, re, revamped, renewed Dave in Kentucky, Overnight Escape Central, the topics will be fast food, the occult, and other bad ideas. Now listen, you may not think the occult or fast food are bad ideas, but there are certainly many vectors of approach where they are bad ideas. Um, <coughs> I have a lot to say on all these topics, and uh, I will be recording that soon. But please do record your thoughts. And again, it's very simple. It, it, there's no time limit. Record. Pretend like you're leaving a, a, a voice message for someone. Just use a uh, you know an MP3 recorder on your phone. Just download a free one, record the audio, and email it to DaveKY at mail dot com. Very simple email address: D A V E K Y at M A I L dot com. DaveKY at mail dot com. Dave in Kentucky. <clears throat> I'm so appreciative of him for um, taking over this project. It means a lot to me. Thank you, Dave. And want to hear from all of you. And what you have to say on these topics as we continue this show going into its 14th year now and uh, and well beyond. As I said, that's my goal. Just keep things going as they've been going. I feel like uh, at this point, um, in terms of what I can produce creatively, this show I'm doing right now is pretty much what I'm used to, what I'm best at. And I think some people get something out of it, so I want to keep on doing it. As long as it's practically possible, okay? That's the concept. 2024. The hell? Listen, I know everyone's thinking thinking it's going to turn into sh- worse and worse. I think it's going to get better. I think things will get better in 2024. I think the 2020s, as I... Did I used to say it's going to be the best decade ever? And then as soon as the 2020s started, it turned to shit with all that COVID stuff. And my theory that 2020s are going to be the best decade ever was shot to hell. It, listen, we're, it's still, well, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. <coughs> All right, so we're 40-plus percent through it. But there's still time for it to become the best decade ever. I know it's going to be tough. 
I know it's going to be tough to make up for the first few years, but listen, it could happen. It could happen. Things are going to get better. Okay? Optimism. Optimistic view of the 2020s. Well, there's always the 2030s, but when is that coming up? <laughs> no. When, how am I going to... I'm so old now. How am I going to be then? Dear God. <laughs> Anyways, check it out. We have over 14,000 hours of audio for you to check out. Massive archive. Onsug Radio is your companion in the night. We are always... We are your radio pals. We're always here for you. It is such a, an audio world to explore. Such a world of content and all sorts of things. I think you love it. Please do. Please take advantage of the vast past patch arrivals of so much audio from the Onsug Radio. Thank you. <coughs> and now, like so many wildebeests seen vaguely through windows and dreams, here now is the wildebeest of cosmic skylines in the deep of night known as the other side hi we're the proponents from london i see the standing there on my side
somewhere in space. This may all be happening right now. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas, the man who brought you American Graffiti, now bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Here they come. is your community channel, Channel 8, Guelph. TV, Channel 8. Be sure to check our community bulletin board for our program listings of live and repeat broadcasting times. Our programs are brought to you through the continued effort of volunteers, staff, and sponsors. If you feel you'd like to participate in any of the aspects of television production, give us a call at 824-1900. through the experience. It's easy and it's fun. Join us at Channel 8. Bionic Woman fights for her life and the life of Steve Austin. This time she won't escape. The Bionic Woman. They broke her neck, 
And you're going to tell me who they are, or I'm going to break yours. A vow of vengeance becomes a death wish, and Beretta takes on a kung fu killer. Then, the three most beautiful detectives in the world become racetrack groupies to investigate the death of a driver. Get them while they're hot. They're Charlie's Angels, right after the bionic woman and Beretta. A night of excitement, Wednesday at 8 on ABC. Tuesday, Pinky Toscadero slays the Fonz on the new season premiere of Happy Days. Then, the motion picture you wished would never end hasn't. The premiere of Rich Man, Poor Man, book two, right after Pinky on Happy Days. Tuesday, starting at 8 on ABC.
you, what you, what you, what you know? What you, what you, what you, what you know? What you, what you, what you, what you know? What you, what you, what you, what you know? Airport Emporium Zaning, clue to cave lore houses, able again to seal old sticker bushes and curves. Of Jalopy Eve being uncomfortable at a distant relative's rehearsal wedding dinner in a state to the west, fire level high logo arcade period. Candle bench in a mall, the old 80s sense of space and distance, sitting and thinking about the rest of the day, coffee, TV shows, handheld games. Going then in the light rain into the woods a little, remains of the radar base from our home movie. Peaceful cartoon international anthems. Gentle open world driving on the snowy pointless late afternoon called Chemical Teen J. Wood aquamarine hexobarbitals. Of a focus of taro and cartridges of the headquarters. See, feel, be an audiovisual vanishing point. 
fairly full if. Main bind less area crazy festival typeface Yakto Dorado. Dense open playa pier, 35 years and 35 seconds. Rope tricks after the show, the ball. Neptune barrier Kahuda. Grape bubblegum getting sister at ballet class. Back to the show like 100 years ago. Stop by some places on the way home. Wondering about wrong impressions left in my wake, if they're remembered. And oh, you did one that actually makes sense. The variation on 42nd Street. Let's look in on Lamar, the macho chemist. What's become of him? Parakeet Lobby Nova, bleak baton, make it undetectable. If Parasol cartoon subject arrives early, let her in. Beak botany overlap, phase road mopper in the dust. Caught wind of those cryptic crosswords late in childhood, played with super cosmic monster dolls. Mall novel markups. To have the drive to do such a thing, and the escalator in the Times Square Disney store recently. The Game Lords of Britain, Sync Magazine, Volume 3, Number 5. Control panel does more. Zero gain ice. Zotus Zaptu, All Dark Mountain. Resort destination, Sage Forge Plateau, the Lucifer Bluff trip. Sort of of shadows, the Little New Quails Bridge. Image of weeds growing in cracks in concrete in sunglasses of former evil lord or something. The Earth Grove. Permanent Midnight Hovercraft Covenant. Somerville Road and North Gaston Avenue, today peaceful cartoon of dredging a canal or look away from the screen basement media store overlord eyeglasses I didn't get metropolis times square mall never built vanishing herald Canadian improv sketch comedy good stuff but hasn't been updated in a long time update December 27th 2003 looks like the site is down archive Okay, so memories of puzzles on a desk. Listen to El Camino Real, whatever that is, in the grandfather's car. The Broken World, Glowing Blue Pole, Weird Troopers, Beautiful Snow Dust, Ultra Obscure Tarot Cards, Cassette Collections in the Haze of Tomorrow's Dead Dreams of Mountain Peaks and Pine Tree Revivals, Seek the Infinity, The Spill Ice Water Stairwell, clock theme farm our boardwalks stuck in the mind we will find the time short video of secret observation decks expensive fresh fruit drink motorbike tangle woods more orange headways grand reopening think about ingrid the fighter did we over the year seem fearing or thrilling my mystical patterns did flee the matter the martial arts memory the Big Black Bird and its Thought, Murcielago, Cavalfiore, Mission Fig, Devil's Darning Needle, Indian Paintbrush, Soapstone, Find the New Way. The aliens are not far away. They are within walking distance. Curving in Opchast Handicrafts, Baradexico Row, New Brasscock Row, Worn Hillcoops Row, Freedom Gear Earth Tone, the moment a new situation in the life become a new level, 
like realizing it should have been that way all along. Fortress vehicles hide the way, but to be naked before the bonfire really and truly cool and free. Renting parrier copies dojo smock, neon graph paper speed, copy shop ragdoll advertising character retrospective. Albada interloper slim deers, all kinky forgotten sweets like animated buzzards, we'll see. Contoured dark side behemoth, hover over city cyber goth, neon board. Rooftop bar, one person, night, rainy, places closed. I was someone else. In the back room, all the props from the video they made. Out on the street, and the rain is worse, some kind of art display made of tires. Looks like it should be on playground. Owl and cactus and tiger, I turn the corner. To feel cheap and unchained like basement radio, college radio, brown hall entrance, a Saturday afternoon as a kid in the 70s after watching cartoons, a 70s arcade summer day feeling free, El Cheapo. Doll car Morse code slowboat grassland, Cake out connection, Kinelon. Yeah, there's trees there like everywhere. Artificial orange scent made me wistful, musing. Chemical hero is already here. Bring it down to earth. Pond barred wheelcock. Miniature 70s cereal boxes. I'm at work. Went to Lane Co. long time ago, out by Phillipsburg. One of those zoning trips with Peter. I can just image the place now, weed-cracked parking lot, desolate breezes, and also that little village mall in the mall basement a few minutes in there can twist into the cosmic checkerboard all aboard chock-chock via chock-chock. Pinecone border, other ways of transport among the roads, this whole world, the ultimate god, cut up, interfoldedness, deep research of a walrus playing card, some characters talking on a beach. Barnstormer, but wait. Over hilltops, more wavering wireframes. Plane turns all white and flies into blue hole. Joking, why can't plane crackers be in vending machines? Turning, she saw them approaching. Control room story. Each yourself story is a maze to struggle. But hey, you're playing with the itinerant animal. Prelude to gem and mineral shop. Related colorful sets of dear things. We manipulate information. Make yourself at home. With faded and sealed remnant of danger, the cool room is not the room at the lower levels. Be out of step, mere mojo. Desafinado. For clock maypole asteroid hill, willow jexus water, camped out in that weed-wrecked parking land, lend a hand. Water is near at hand, in peacock colors of emporium. Life's too good, however gold the mine maze tingles. Whimsical strike landscapes, pillbug valley crafts, a dash of the madness of videos, fool of the bay, earliest way, little by little, dry by sea foam, smoky lime phantom cup. Was weary in store run, in feeling into the coffee land, a gray wall you could break through if you needed to. Ethel Wogo as seen on the bridge. The feeling, a 
a project is pressing as a sign of binding rather than planning. Rainbow edge, like oil-stained symphony, inner calm. Now adrift in a spherical spaceship, that bridge, teenage childhood gritty vision. What is a motorcycle reduced to a graphic, as a patch or shirt image, for instance? Hold on in the rock dorm, fools. Yearly con yearly, cycle down in Taklu. Workshop in Earth, workshop in Earth and Calico, subway car, Calico Panther West. The radar weeds, West Head wizardry, a West Head zuxily, crystal maniac hold. Slow hike managed to stimulate a bar in abandoned town playhouse. Period of salamander talk session three. Keep insertable, stay a story of a hold. The pillars of vacuums enter Liskico. Dorm go and vast and trip cost estimator go unto their were where. The urge to build a world when world building is not the right direction for this time. We groove around the ways, stay in bed, saw the calm down, went for a stroll. We abide, car try, stripes away, call, ho, I, la, d, okay, p, r, n, dash, dash, dusting is depressing. In a mural of spacemen castles, the powers, the avenue Nusk is on. Be aware that he is skilled in herbal artworks, yet damn to the point where we bought that muddler. Far in the den, plan of equals, each other recharging elements of the synergy slugs. Why often wonder, I forgot the book's title, thinking now, carabiner, lanyard, stanchion, molasses, treacle, question mark, question mark, question mark. Could be altered universe. The book was the worm Ouroboros. In limited space we conjure. Sock wayside. To limit the ways of exploring. In an overhead conversation about a hike. Trash 80. Polybius. City limits. New city limits. Deep energy. Manos. Lair. Elemental. Zeppelin. Uriah heap. Dark crystal. Labyrinth. Golden horseshoe. Fiddle. Main event, no fear, Arabia, Inc., Wild Mech Reno, NJ Flag, Showboat, Kitchen Sink. Sunch Seam, Omni Ruck Zoom, Zodiac Mojo, Kitchen Sink and a Circle. Yes, yes, sunken treasures of the soul of apartment secrets, basking in the hint of wealth, cardboard floors and walls printed with cartoon look, a toy or game house, pediatrician. You're into my flume, Paris Caravan. She got what it takes and she knows how to use it. It. She's just a bomb waiting to blow, careful not to get the fuse lit He 
Hiroshima and Nagasaki She stands here laughing, yelling, you'll never stop me Hours, days, and years have passed Little did you know that she's built to last Trained by the very best Many came before her, but she turned out better than the rest No emotions or reactions Makes it so she ain't scared of blasting Defenses set up at a hundred Always has what she needs from secret funding Watch her, listen her, and to touch her If you just met her, she'll never trust you She wasn't constructed to be your friend She's here to train a seat to win in the end Used to stand out, but now she blends In the crowd, under a shroud She's quiet and slow instead of fast and loud And for this metamorphosis, her Geppetto's a proud Erased from Facebook, fish that swam away With no scars from the hook, worms and bait Nets and traps all drove this wives tale to practice and rap Music don't have to have FDA approval I tried to bath the body bits, they drove me to removal Every path she takes is roadblocks Whether it's FDA, EPA, feds, or just cops Blinded by her holy vision She just needs to move her fins and keep on swimming Being the biggest fish in the smallest pond Usually means that you won't last long Unless you choose to swim upstream Try and become an ocean queen Fred was going to carry one of them, but he didn't want to throw me off balance. Vivian Vance, television's number one second banana. In 1951, Vivian was known to millions as Lucy Ricardo's sidekick, Ethel Mertz, on the hit sitcom I Love Lucy. 38-year-old Vivian couldn't walk down the street without people recognizing her as Lucy's partner in crime. She says, they only know me as Ethel Mertz. And she says, that is another reason I'm going to an analyst. Well, it wasn't the first time. Vivian Vance spent many hours on the psychiatrist's couch. Paranoia was part of Vivian's life, long before she ever heard of Ethel Mertz. She was so afraid of losing her mind completely that she would put a note in her pocket with her name and address. On this episode of Mysteries and Scandals, we'll go behind the laughter of I Love Lucy and take a look at Vivian's battles with on-screen husband Fred, played by William Frawley. He retaliated by uh, suggesting lines for Fred to say to, to insult Ethel. People used to ask her, Hi, Viv, how's Bill Frawley? And she used to always say, Dad, thank God. <laughs> we'll also explore the explosive relationship of TV's most famous female duo. Lucy had many demands of Vivian. One of them was that Vivian keep her weight up. And we'll hear from the only surviving star of I Love Lucy, the actor who played Little Ricky, Keith Thibodeau. She always kind of lived in the shadow of being Ethel, this frumpy lady. I'm A.J. Benza. Join me as we explore the secret side of Ethel Mertz, Vivian Vance. By September, landscaping at Luxor is well underway, including planting 550 palm trees and sodding the 47-acre site. This uh, is called the front 
water feature. It consists of uh, over a hundred fountains that are all computerized. Laser beams come out of the Sphinx's eyes and shoot down onto the water. It also consists of a 60-foot high screen of water, which we project graphics on, and laser beams complement that. The Egyptian motif comes to life in friezes of Egyptian scenes at Luxor's main entrance. The hotel requires enough carpeting to cover 34 football fields. Over 11,000 square yards of it are in the casino alone. From spaceships with contrails to elaborate backgrounds which seem to go on for miles, Computers help to create some of the most realistic special effects in the Luxor attractions. 27 and 29, I think, needs to know. In Lenox, Massachusetts, artists and technicians at the Kleiser Walzak Company created the computer generated images. Even with state of the art technology, only a few seconds of film per week can be produced. For Luxor, there were hundreds of scenes and huge amounts of data to manage. One of the most impressive effects, The Guardian, began as a sculpture. A grid was mapped onto it and then programmed, allowing a realistic computer-generated model to be animated and mixed with other special effects. I think we should leave. Kleiser Walzak animators also designed and created all the flying vehicles in the Luxor attractions. We built a number of different types. This is the BMW, the other we called Space Miata. Notice we've got our uh, Space Taxi here. These were little spheres used to test different color combinations for the cars. And uh, Doug Trumbull saw the test and liked them so much that uh, they're now going to be in the film. There's a huge explosion that happens right in front of us. Many shots, including an explosion only a few seconds long, required layers of animation and took months to produce. And you can see all the pieces of the monolith start to fly apart, so we're going to build this up in layers. The first piece comes right past our right ear, and then the second one comes right past our left ear. What you see here is a lot of little polygons that have fire put on top of them. And what's kind of magical about this is when you put all these layers together, although one layer in itself may not look totally realistic, it creates this, this complete illusion for people that there's this, this explosion going on. The skies tumble over. 3D images were created for the attraction called Luxor Live. Whoa. The images are produced on two films and resolved by wearing special glasses, which seem to make them jump off the screen. You gotta try this. One of the most striking images, the Crystal Dancers, used motion scanned from real performers to make the movement seem highly realistic. In one of the near-complete attraction theaters, Douglas Trumbull, Arish Faizi, and sound designer Leslie Schatz work on another important element, the 8-track digital soundtrack. 14 should be as loud as you can make it. Yeah. That's the one place where I'd like yeah. to feel that sub-audible pop, you know, just right. a pump like Using a rough version of the film, layers of sound effects, music, and dialogue are mixed together. Coming in here. A full symphony orchestra and chorus provide the music. Gotcha! The last step in finishing the attraction films is putting together the hundreds of shots of actors, models, and the computer-generated images. 
digital compositing. This is where we combine all the images that we've shot and put them out to film. Special effects supervisor Joel Heineck was present at all stages of the project to ensure that the hundreds of shots were photographed to specific technical standards. 30 even. It's not magic, you know. One of the things that Surge has to tackle with here is, is handling uh, huge amounts of data. Because each one of these images is made up of about 90 megabytes of right, data, which is, you know, will usually fill up someone's PC, their whole disk, one image here. Uh, Gotta see it in there moving, Serge. Okay. Sure. It's the kind of leading edge right now of, like, film technology. A lot of this yeah, stuff is custom-made. For instance, I've written most of the software that is being used uh, to do this. This is just now becoming possible. Like, in this, just this year, really, really aspire to do a film with this complexity. As construction on the hotel nears completion, over 4,500 employees begin work. Tour guides rehearse their scripts. Good morning, my name is Cricket. I'll be taking you on the archaeological tour of the Nile. We are going on a mysterious journey down along the Nile River. We'll be going through eight tunnels down into the casino and around. The casino finishes setting up 2,500 slot machines, 87 table games, and poker and kino rooms. All right, can I have a status on Millennium now? I cannot find either power cord for the two main card readers. What about the back of Papyrus? The hotel readies its seven restaurants and three gift shops. Luxor's 2,500 rooms await the arrival of the hotel's first guests. Registration makes arrangements to receive visitors. It's chaos, but it's wonderful. Maybe we check in. And in preparation for the grand opening party, artists create a sphinx made of 35 tons of ice. 